the podcast from Belmont Chapel in Exeter, sharing the story, living the life. For more information, go to belmontchapel.org.uk. Sorry, I, I feel, I've had two weeks off, so um, I feel human again as a teacher. I go back to work tomorrow, so see me next week. Um, morning and welcome. My name's Johnny Baker. Uh, I'm privileged to be a member of the leadership team here, uh, also work in a local school. Uh, if you're new here this morning, it's your first time, maybe you've just landed in Exeter, maybe you turned, um, you're really welcome. Really, really welcome. It's great that you're with us. Thank you so much for coming. Uh, if you've got children, I hope they've found their way out. They'll have an amazing time. Uh, we're going to look at uh, the cost of living in Romans 12, a new series uh, this morning. Now, uh, if you are new to us, um, here's what you may not know. Every week we spend a bit of time looking at this book, the Bible. Uh, why do we do that? It's, we think it, well, we do it because we think it's brilliant. We think this, this book helps us as individuals, but also as a world potentially to flourish if we follow it. And sometimes what we do is we take the Bible and we look at some big themes in the Bible. So we try and work out what God's saying in the kind of the, the large scheme. So recently we had that series on the left there, Living with Thorns, where we looked at mental health and the challenges that, uh, of mental health and, and what that looks like and how we can support there. We also had another th- theme series talking about Frontline Sundays, the fact that... Um, It's not just people who get paid to work for a church that are full-time Christian workers. Uh, Everyone who follows Jesus is a full-time Christian worker, whether you're 95 or whether you're two. Wherever you go each week out into the world, you are on the front line representing Jesus. So that was like a theme as well. Uh, But sometimes we'll actually take one of the 66 books in the Bible and work our way through it. So back in the autumn term, we took the book of Galatians. Paul wrote a letter to the church in Galatians. We took it apart in a series called Freedom. But sometimes we'll go even deeper and slower than that. So you might remember a few years ago, we had a series called Salt and Light. And we spent a number of weeks looking at just a few verses, like really pulling it apart. I know some of you found it tough. But it was, we were pulling it apart to try and work out what God was saying to us about these particular verses. And in the next six weeks, we're going to do something similar to that. We're going to spend six weeks in one chapter. Now, some of you are like, oh, my word, what's going on, dear? Don't panic. This chapter um, is absolutely uh, brilliant. In fact, uh, I've only got two verses today. I've got the first two verses of Romans 12. Uh, But someone once said this about just these two verses. They said it's a brilliant summary of the whole of the Christian life. So if that's the first two verses, imagine what's coming next after that. So we are in Romans 12 for six weeks. Uh, We're not in Romans 12 next week because we've got baptisms, the water's out next week. Woo! Uh, That's going to be amazing. Don't miss that. Um, But we're going to go through Romans uh, 12 in the next few weeks. Now, some of you may look at that and go, wow, wow, aren't Belmont topical? The cost of living, a series about petrol prices and fuel costs. No, sorry. If you thought it was going to be Martin Lewis, Go Compare and the Meerkat, Um, I'm sorry, that's not going to happen in these coming weeks. We're looking at what it looks like and ultimately costs to follow Jesus. I I joke about that, but as a side note, uh, before we just launch into this, can I just take this opportunity to remind us, uh, people, at the start of COVID, we set up a financial fund, recognizing that for many people it was going to be difficult. Now, the pandemic may be over in some form, but we know the repercussions and effects are, are not over. And there may be people right here, right now in our family who are struggling If you are struggling, come and see us. We want to help you and get alongside you and support you. That's really, really important if that's for you. Um, There's a big overview of what we're doing. Here are the verses that I've got. We're going to build this chapter all the way through the series, so we're going to keep reading more and more of it. I've just got two verses, but they're brilliant. I'll read them and then we'll pray. Here we go. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, 
followers of Jesus, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Don't conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing and perfect will. Those are the only words we're looking at today. And to be perfectly honest, I'm only focusing on the first four lines as well. We'll come to that. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you that we can gather as we've just sort of talked about there. Thank you that there's more and more of us in this building now. Thank you. That's so exciting. Thank you that we seem to be coming out at the end of the pandemic. Please help us in our time together to understand the context of these words and then also to live them out as well, we pray in these, uh, these, uh, these days before we pray. Amen. I prayed about context there because context is really important, isn't it? If you, if you want to get to grips with something, if you want to understand something, then you often need a bit more information, don't you? I'm going to show you a bit of text on the screen now. Just when you, I'm just going to read it to you. See, what you. see what you make of this. A newspaper is better than a magazine. A seashore is a better place than the street. At first, it's better to run than to walk. You may have to try several times. It takes some skill, but it's easy to learn. Even young children can enjoy it. Birds seldom get too close. Rain, however, soaks in very fast. One needs lots of room. If there are no complications, it can be very peaceful. A rock will serve as an anchor. If things break loose from it, however, you will not get a second chance. Yeah, that was me too, yeah. What, what is that about? That, isn't that a gibberish? That complete nonsense, yeah? What if I said to you, kite? What if I said to you, kite? Oh, oh yeah. That makes a bit more sense, doesn't it? Yeah, because I would use a newspaper and I wouldn't use a magazine because it's bigger. Yeah, a seashore, yeah, that's much better, isn't it? Because it's windier. Uh, you would run at first uh, rather than walk to get the kite in the air. Oh, yeah, it takes several goes to fly a kite. Uh, it takes some skill, but you know what? It's pretty easy, isn't it? Uh, children, young children can enjoy it. Yeah, the kite goes in the air, but the birds don't really get near to it. It rains a bit of a pain for it. Oh, you need a lot of space. You can't fly a kite in a room. If there are no complications, oh, it's lovely, isn't it? A, a rock, that'll hold it down. Do you get it? As soon as I said the word kite, it was like... And this room was like, oh, yeah, no, yeah, of course, duh. Without that word, it doesn't make sense at all. The key to it is the word kite. Now, these two verses that we're looking at this morning, in fact, this whole chapter, the Cost of Living series, Romans 12, will only make sense if we understand the context. So what those verses back there, they only make sense in the light of what's gone before. And the first word of the chapter, as you can see, is pretty huge, isn't it? Therefore. Therefore is a really, really important word. It's only ever used when something significant has been said or has occurred. But this one's a particularly big one because when Paul writes his letter to the church in Rome and he writes this, therefore, he's talking about everything he's written before. So he's talking about the whole of chapters 1 to 11. Uh, This verse here is the turning point, if you like, in Romans. Uh, Chapters 1 to 11 are about what God's done for us. And then 12 to 15 are, well, that's how you live in response to what God's done. So if you understand this part, then you will absolutely go and live like this. 
Now, a few years ago, we looked at Ephesians, and I put a flowchart up, because I'm a weird maths teacher, uh, partly. But I, I spotted, in a, well, I think there's a, a, like a flowchart in Ephesians. I think there's another one in Romans. Love this. Uh, you might not, but anyway. Uh, so the book of Romans, what you should do with Romans is you should read the first 11 chapters. When you get to the end of chapter 11, that you just have to encounter and ask yourself this question. Do you think God's amazing? And if you answer that question, no... Here's what you have to do next. You have to go back and you read the 11 chapters again. And you, if, if, if that's your life, then you're just stuck in it. No. Um, read them again, honestly, because if you... Oh, God's so amazing. But if you get to the end of chapter 11 and go, Wow! God! Look what God's done for me! He's, oh! If you think the answer's yeah, crack on to chapter 12. And then when you get into chapter 12... It suddenly might get a bit harder because it's now talking about our response and what we should do. And there'll be moments in this series where we're going to go, well, am I going to put this into practice? And if you say, nah, nah, go back to chapter one and start, you know, literally. But if you say yes, crack on and go and share the story and live the life of the Lord Jesus Christ. Because this chapter is really, really important. I genuinely believe that. We sang, didn't we, a few moments ago about Jesus living in us can change the world. And I absolutely believe that if we follow and live out Romans chapter 12, personally we will flourish. As a church we will flourish. Our community will flourish and our world will flourish. I really think that if we live this out. So in the coming weeks, uh, I'm gonna, other people are going to speak. I'm going to come and wrap the series up. We're going to have some pretty tough moments, I think, because there's some hard stuff in this chapter. But when it's hard, just remember what God has done for us. I'd encourage you to read the first 11 chapters of Romans. If you haven't done that or if you haven't done it for a while, just throw out some headlines for you. The Bible tells us that we're justified by grace through the redemption, the rescue that came by Jesus. 324, 5-1, and we're justified through faith, and that brings us peace with God. Uh, 5-6 tells us that at the right time, Jesus died for us. And while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Someone died for you. If you've never heard that this morning, someone literally got on a cross for you. There's no condemnation as a result of that. The verdict's in, and if you follow Jesus, the verdict's not guilty. Chapter 8, verse 1. And what about this one? We know that in all things, God works for the purpose of those who love him. They're amazing verses. Uh, And how good is that just to hear? Uh, If you've turned your TV on this week and you've seen just misery, misery, lies, terror, we live in a messy world, but we have a God who loves us. Someone who created you, knows you, loves you, and died for you. So uh, uh, that's what 1 to 11 say as we go into chapter 12. Uh, And after that word, therefore, there's uh, really helpfully, Paul kind of takes the first 11 chapters of Romans and squeezes it into five words. There they are. In view of God's mercy. Now, mercy is not a word you hear a lot, is it? I know what some of you are thinking. I used to play mercy in the playground. Didn't you play mercy? In the north, we called it peanuts, but that's because we're weird. Um, but mercy was a game where you, you locked fingers with, with someone, and then you tried to battle back, and, and eventually someone, probably bigger than me, like, pushed me back, and you would scream mercy to let them, tell them to get off you, basically, because you get into this duel, and then suddenly they're winning, and you go, I don't fancy playing this anymore. Um, so you scream mercy. Now, it is an important word. There's a great example. You've probably seen the film or the musical of Les Mis. Uh, the main character there... Um, uh, front is Valjean. Valjean is a, uh, was a prisoner. He's released from prison, and he's struggling to get back into society. When Muriel, a bishop, uh, a local bishop, comes to his aid, and he goes, Valjean, come and stay with me. 
I will take care of you. Valjean comes in, eats all the food, loves it. And then in the night, he goes and nicks all Muriel's um, silver and legs it uh, away from him. And the police catch up with um, Valjean and go, come back. And they bring him back to, to Muriel and go, we've got this robber. Uh, we've got your silver back. And Muriel should then go, ah, yeah, get him, slam him away. But Muriel goes, oh, hang on a sec, Valjean, you've forgotten some of it. And gives him some more. It's a wonderful, wonderful picture of mercy. At that moment, uh, when he's caught and he's confronting uh, Muriel, he should get punishment. But instead of being met with punishment, he's met with a gift. Uh, and we talk about two words here quite a lot at church. We talk about grace. We talk about the, the gift that God gives us. But another word we talk about is mercy as well, because the Bible tells us that God is gracious and he's merciful. If you're not sure what those two words, grace and mercy, mean, it's a pr- pretty good definition I heard the other day. Grace is when we receive a gift we don't deserve. And mercy is when we don't receive something that we do deserve. And God has given us both of those. He is gracious and he's merciful. Valjean deserved to be imprisoned, but he received mercy. And in the opening chapters of uh, Romans, we learn that, that we need to receive mercy. Uh, Romans 3.23 says that we've all turned our back on God's. All of us have just gone, at some point, I'll do it my own way. I don't know. I know you created everything and you know best, but I'm going to do it my way. We turn our back on God. The Bible tells us, Romans 6.23, that the wages of turning our back on God is death. That's what should happen. Enter Jesus Christ. Mercy. He comes in and he says, no, 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 no. I'm going to pay that price for you. I'm going to pay that price for you. And as a result of that, as we saw a moment ago, there's no condemnation for those in Jesus. Jesus comes in, he dies in our place, he takes the punishment so that we can live. How amazing is that? Now, you're probably thinking at this point, will you get on with it? This is about the cost of living. What's the price? You know that moment if you're ever in like a car sales or something like that, and they're telling you, amazing, oh, it's amazing. And so, Just tell me the figure. Well, the figure's in the passage, isn't it? The figures in verse 1. Let's have a look at it. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of everything God's done for you, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Now, if you're new to Christianity, or even if you're not, that's a strange phrase, isn't it? Look at that, a living sacrifice. What, what's that about? If you're a follower of Jesus... That's what we're called to be. Now, it seems strange, doesn't it? But I'm just going to make it even stranger for a second. Why not? While we're strange. So so that word sacrifice in Greek literally translates to killing. So it seems bizarre, doesn't it? If we follow Jesus, we're called to be this living killing, this living sacrifice. What on earth is that all about? Well, again, context is important because sacrifice is not something that... A 21st century extra, there's not rich, not, I don't think, anyway. Sacrifice is happening regularly in the form they used to. But in the first century in Rome, they would have absolutely got this imagery of sacrifices. There were, there were two kind of um, main sacrifices. That, they sacrificed animals back then mainly, two of them in particular. Firstly, there were sin offerings. Uh, in the Old Testament, uh, often worshippers would shed the blood of, of an animal and ask for forgiveness for something. They've done something really, really bad. Here is an animal. Please, please forgive me for what I've done. Now, 
that can't be what this is about because the Bible tells us, if you want to know more about it, read in Hebrews, but that Jesus is our sin offering. Jesus is the, the lamb who takes away the sin of the world. He's the one who, who dies in our place. So that's not what Paul's talking about here. There is another type of offering that was done, was, was a whole burnt offering, where someone would take, uh, their, so they've got their flock here, and they would find in their flock the most valuable sheep, whatever. Not the one with three legs, not the one with two, the, the, the best one, one without any blemish, and they would sacrifice that one. They wouldn't give any leftovers, they wouldn't give like the, bit in, the old one in the corner, they would give their very, very best, because that's what would show... Um, that there were no hand-me-downs, there were no seconds, there were no leftovers. They would be giving their best as a sacrifice. And that is what this verse is all about right now. A living sacrifice is quite simply about giving your best. Give your very, very best to God. Don't leave any leftovers. Don't leave bits out. And it's not just Romans 12, by the way, where we get this idea as well. Uh, In Luke chapter 9, Jesus says himself, deny yourself Take up your cross daily. Uh, In Colossians 3, it talks about whatever you do, work with all your heart as if working for the Lord and not for men. Following Jesus is about giving your very, very best for him, day in, day out. God, uh, this morning, I give myself to you. Every bit of me I give to you. I give to you my marriage. I give to you my time. I give you my money. I give you my um, pleasure, my singleness, my family, everything. Lord, I want to live for you. Now, you may be sat there and go, wow, that escalated quickly. <laughs> what happened there? This, I was having a lovely morning. Johnny, you came up and you told me that God loves me, God created me and knows me. And now you're talking about a living sacrifice, Johnny. What? You, just this, what? What's going on? I would have sympathy for that. I would get that. But then if you're thinking that, then we've immediately forgotten Romans 1 to 11. We've immediately forgotten those five words, haven't we? In view of God's mercy. In view of everything that God has done for us. The gospel, the good news of Jesus, is that if you follow Jesus, you have made the best decision ever. Last Sunday was amazing. Easter Sunday. We remember that we have hope, peace, joy, and life. Because Jesus died, he rose again, and he gives us life and hope for the future. And the sting of death has completely gone. And if you are someone here this morning who's a follower of Jesus, and you made that decision... That when you made that decision, his spirit comes and lives in you, and he transforms you. His spirit, the Lord Jesus, transforms your priorities. And rather than looking to please people, we're now looking to please God. We recognize who God is, what he's done, so we're going to please God. 1 Thessalonians 2.4. We're not trying to please people, but God, who tests our heart. Now, before we knew Jesus, the Bible tells us that our mind, again in Romans, was hostile to God. We didn't want to do the things that God wants. We wanted to do our own thing. But when the spirit of Jesus comes and lives in us, suddenly we begin to delight in God's law. We we do what God wants. And there's this lovely phrase in the Bible that when you follow Jesus, it talks about the fact that you're in Christ. Now, I don't have time to unpack that phrase. Wow, that's a big phrase. But if we're in Christ, very simply, then God's, when God sees us, he sees Jesus, if we're in Christ. So when God sees us, he sees Jesus. And we know what God thinks, the Father thinks of Jesus. A voice came from heaven, you're my son, whom I love. With you, I am well pleased. So if you follow Jesus, that is true for you. That is absolutely true for you. You are, God, simply put, God is pleased with you. 
Is that nice to hear? God is pleased with you. Now, you may not think it, you may not feel it, you may have all sorts of things going on in you, but God is pleased with you. Because of that, we can live in a way that pleases God. Now, that's quite, quite heavy in some ways, some of that. Let me just take it away and just give a little illustration about that. Um, my daughter, some years ago, um, was quite worried about sports day. This is when she was much little, she's about that big. She's much bigger now, a nightmare. I know. Uh, and uh, I don't know why, but she was anxious about it. So we spent some time in the garden messing about, just trying to help her just try and work out what it would be like. Uh, but the night before sports day, I put her to bed. I uh, prayed with her, and um, she did this thing then where she just sort of lay with her eyes open. And then she, she's got a tell, unfortunately. Her chin wobbles. It really, it's cute, but it's terrible. Chin wobbled really, really fast, so you could see that tears were coming out of her eyes. And she just blurted out, Daddy, Daddy, I'm worried about sports day tomorrow. I'm scared that I won't do well. Ultimate parent moment coming up. What do you say then? Uh, well, I just copied what someone else said, basically. Um, I channeled my inner Philip Yancey, and I said this to Lucy. I said, Lucy, tomorrow, if you come first, I won't love you more. And if you come last, I won't love you less. You'll be loved no matter what happens. We had a long chat. She went to bed. The next day came and went. Now, I don't think any, um, <laughs> any records were broken on that sports day. Um, but she came home beaming. Daddy, daddy, this happened, then this happened, and then this, and she told the story about it. Now, I have no idea what my words did. I don't think they were the, the main thing, but I do hope this. Uh, I do hope that they reassured Lucy that whatever happens, whatever the outcome, regardless of that, you're loved. You are completely loved. But I also hope that that didn't stop Lucy trying her best. I still hope she tried her best as a result of that, not to gain my love, but because she is loved. If Lucy didn't know that she was loved, she may have gone onto that racetrack and just trying to earn love. She didn't need to do that because she's loved. She knew she was loved, and so in some ways her efforts were to please us. Daddy, 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 this happened, and this happened, and we did this. In some way, small way, that's what I think might be going on potentially here. If you have a clear view of God's mercy... If you know how much you're loved, then I'm going to do everything for the Lord Jesus Christ. And it's not a prize. It's just the best thing that anyone could do. Actually, at the end of, I just want to, at the, at the end of this, that's phrase there, this is your true and proper worship. True and proper worship, it's not a great NIV translation. The word is, is called logicon in the Greek, which translates to logical. Do you know what? If you understand what God's done for you, then following Jesus and offering yourself as a living sacrifice for Jesus is the most logical thing that any human being would do. But unfortunately, we do conform to the world because the world tells us that's not the most logical thing. But it is the most logical thing. I need to stop talking. I'm going to miles out my PowerPoint now. There we go. Um, I'm, I'm going to start to land now, but I'm just going to do three short illustrations to close that have all been aired on this platform before pre-COVID. The reason I'm doing them now again, it's not because I, I don't have anything else to say, but I think they're really important images. I think they're important images post-COVID. As we land in a new normal, what's it going to be like for us? First one's on the left. Someone once said this about a living sacrifice. The trouble with a living sacrifice is that it keeps crawling off the altar. Um, if you can imagine that, get here, lamb, stop, stop moving, no. Um, 
And it's the same for true. We have this amazing ability in life to compartmentalize it, don't we? Um, our time, our, what we do with our time on our calendar, uh, what we do in our leisure. I don't have a better football, sorry. Um, our family time, our friends, our work time. What about time we spend on this? What about, oh, I better get this one out as well. What about what we do with this one as well? We have this ability to compartmentalize life. And being a follower of Jesus, everything should be on the table. But you know what sometimes happens is that very, very slowly, things just start to crawl off the table. Oh, I'll have that one back, Lord Jesus, thank you very much. And um, actually, I, I quite like my own internet history. I'll, I'll keep that to myself. And actually, I don't really need you in my workplace. I, I, don't, I don't really need you in my leisure time. I don't, don't really want to be serving you. I want to be doing some stuff that I want to do. And, I, I, and as far as giving you my time, nah, I'm not going to do that. And what we get is this picture of something where what was the whole of life is no longer there. I don't know about you, I have to examine my own life and ask what's on the table, and it should be everything. And the reason it should be everything that I put on my life on there is because Jesus Christ put everything on there for me. Everything. He didn't put like a bit, he didn't go, I'll give you a little bit, but not much. He put everything on the table. Question for you, the question for me is, what's on the altar? Are we offering ourselves as a living sacrifice? Because if Jesus Christ be God and died for me, then no sacrifice can be too great for me to make for him. Illustration two. Um, next week, the pool will be open, as I say. Oh, so good. Basically, what the people who get baptized are saying is they're under new ownership. I no longer am in charge. Jesus is in charge. He's my Lord and my Savior. That's what you'll hear next week. It's an amazing moment when people do that. It's going to be so cool. Uh, the Navigators are a Christian organization, and they put these like, little pictures together. We used this a number of years ago, and a number of people went, whoa, that's really stark. That's kind of a picture of someone who doesn't know Jesus. Someone who's just living their life, sat on the throne of their life. Jesus is, the cross is outside the circle. What we're going to celebrate next week is when Jesus comes into someone's life, and they sit in charge, and they go, no, Jesus, you know the rest. I'm going to let you live. And that's what we're celebrating next week. It's going to be so cool. Don't miss it. But there's a third picture. Because sometimes what happens is that that second picture just gets distorted. And over time, things just change. And when we look at our life, it's, it's no longer about Jesus. It's actually about me again. And the question I ask myself again is, is it, quite, is it two? Is it the middle one? Because I tell you what, if it is the middle one, that's what will change the world. If Belmont Chapel was a, a sea of people in the second one, you, you watched Exeter and the world transform. Not joking. Absolutely true. Third image, and I'll leave you with this. Um, oh, and by the way, that, one of the ways that you can make sure number two happens, and I'm conscious I haven't done much on verse two, but is we've got, not got to conform to the pattern of this world. What we put into our mind, the stuff that we're feeding ourselves, uh, will ultimately spill out. So if you're not being renewed each week with good stuff, then don't be surprised if that third image starts to appear. A final image. Um, seen this a couple of times. Uh, Francis Chan, the American author and preacher, 
did this. He's always amazed, and when I saw this, I was just like, it's just blown away by this illustration because it's so true. Is this rope represents your existence, your existence. And the red part represents your time on earth. Okay, don't forget, you know, we sing those songs like Amazing Grace, when we've been here 10,000 years, or uh, blessed, um, blessed uh, 10,000 years and then forevermore. That's our existence. When we die, we're going to be with Jesus if we follow Jesus, and we're going to be with him forever, and it's going to be amazing. And this could be our existence. But for some reason in our lives, we spend so much time thinking about that little bit, don't we? Oh, I'm 30 now. When I'm 50, I really want to be there, and I want to make sure I've got to that. And then by the time I retire, oh, maybe I could retire a little bit earlier. What about this? Wouldn't it be better if we spent this little bit preparing for that rather than being so obsessed about what's going on in this little bit here? We're going to go, if you follow Jesus, to the best place forever. Forever. And so are lots of, hopefully, other people in this city and beyond. Wouldn't it be amazing if we went, do you know what? I'm going to give this red bit as a living sacrifice for that bit. And when you look at it about like that, that's logical, isn't it? That's logical. Here's my question, and I'll leave with this, is what are we going to do? What are we going to do with the rest of the red bit? Romans 12 says, live your life as a living sacrifice for the Lord Jesus Christ. Because he gave everything for you. Let's not let the world squeeze us into its mold, shall we? Let's be transformed and live for him. Let's pray. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, thank you, Lord, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. This is logical. Father, we don't want to conform to the pattern of this world. We want to be transformed by the renewing of our minds. Then we'll be able to test and approve what your will is, your good, pleasing and perfect will. Father, this is such a tough series But at the heart of it, it's very logical. The Lord Jesus Christ gave everything for us. We now have hope. We have life. We have peace. We have joy. Father, we want to live for you. No holes barred. Not sort of just third gear until the end. Father, we want to go fifth gear. Why? Because you love us. You love us. You always have. You always will. And we resolve to live and worship you for our coming days. And we pray that many, many people will know Lord Jesus because of the way we live in this red bit in these last few days. Amen.